Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott, Sports Advantage. Here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchie. Coach, how we doing? What's going on? What's new? We got football coming up. Volleyball tryouts are going on cross country. We got all kinds of stuff going on in the state of Wisconsin. What do you got? Fall sports are, are right there, Coach Bott. And I'm super excited to watch these kids to start getting and start competing again. Yeah. Awesome opportunity for those kids. Yeah. Vacation is over with. It's time to get back at it. Time Vacation's to get back over at with. It. How about your um, unbelievable experience in the Hall of Fame? Oh, man. I tell wow. you what, you know, one, just just very lucky to have, you know, my best friend growing up, you know, lived across the street from Mike Norris and his wife, Stacy, joined me and Corey. Uh, we went and spent a night with my brother. Um, you know, we're going to go vacation together next year. And uh, so we had a night with them and then we went to Ohio and, um, you know, stayed with Corey's dad, who's a huge Browns fan and, um, you know, spent some days going around Cleveland, went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, hit Fat Heads, which is a, a local brewery, you know, for some great food, um, you know, spent the day Friday just seeing a lot of different stuff. And what was really neat, Dean, and, and I think really speaks to the person that Joe Thomas is, is, you know, my wife likes to tell everybody what I do sometimes. And she, and she's very proud of, you know, what I do and the people that, that I get to be with, you know, and, um, you know, as we, as we go through different things and I had a Joe Thomas, you know, a shirt on, on Friday and, and I was talking to various people at the, we stopped at probably four or five different restaurants, you know, just do some appetizers and just do some different things. And, Every single person, every single place we stopped that, you know, we told them what we were in town for had a Joe Thomas story. You know, we went to Great Lakes Brewery. I mean, Joe's got a, his own beer there. We would pick some of that up for souvenirs. And, you know, there was multiple, you know, groups of people that, you know, they do uh, they do events there and the Browns would come and, you know, just great stories about how Joe would spend extra time. You know, he'd sign autographs. He'd talk to little kids. He'd he'd be there way longer than he needed to be. And, um, you know, it just, just shows, you know, he's the best. I mean, at the end of the day, he's the best offensive lineman, in my opinion, to ever play the game without a doubt. And the unique thing about him, Dean, that you don't see in today's culture or society, he doesn't need to tell anybody that he is. You know what I mean? It's kind of the old Michael Jordan thing. Well, if you think I'm the best, you'll, you'll think I'm the best. You know, he doesn't need to get out in front and say, I'm the best to ever do it. I'm this, I'm that. Um, everybody says it for him. And that just shows the confidence in the person that he is and just doing the right things by people. And, you know, we went to the the Hall of Fame enshrinement. I, you know, for our listeners, I would say this, you know, I've always been worried about trying to go there, you know, for crowds and stuff like that. It's a great event, pretty open, you know, um, open seating, things like that. You got, there's a lot of different, a lot of space and it's a really neat event that they do in Canton. It's a pretty long event, but the NFL again, once again, did it really right. Um, and then, you know, that, that Saturday night was really special. I think, um, you know, a lot of former, former Badger players, former Badger coaches, you know, got to meet, I'm, I got to meet Megatron, which was really cool for me. I'm, I'm really, I don't get very starstruck very often by players because of obviously I've been very fortunate in my career to meet a lot of high-end players, but that one really got me. And then Leroy Butler, obviously from the Packers, I got to meet him. 
had a great conversation with him that will be, con you know, continued at another time for those of you out there. Um, and then Tyler Hubbard came, you know, from Florida Georgia line and, and, and uh, performed. And that was really neat. But for me, I think, you know, I got about a 10 minute conversation with Joe at the party. And I think, you know, as I look back on the weekend may have been, you know, the ultimate, you know, time spent as a coach because, um, you know, everybody has dreams as a young kid and we always are telling kids to dream big and to, to, to have the biggest, you know, visualize yourself on the biggest stage. Well, um, Joe got to be on the biggest stage and his dreams came true. Now he didn't win a Super Bowl, and, you know, he didn't get to, you know, experience some of that stuff, but I mean, he's recognized as one of the best 371, I believe players to ever, ever be in the NFL. And, um, as a coach, that's all we want for our players. You know, um, that's why we coach, you know, we're competitive people, but, you know, we coach to see kids live out their dreams. And that may be being a great high school player. That may be, you know, go, going and playing college. And um, for me, it was definitely one of the probably best 10 minute conversations I've ever had with a player um, because we were, we were real with each other. And, um, you know, I just told him how proud I was of him and shared with him some of the stories of some of the people across the community and, you know, just closing on this, cause we got to get to a Q and a here, but for other people to say those things about a, a player that you've worked with and, you know, he's, he wasn't playing with the, you know, the Patriots, you know, an illustrious team winning multiple Super Bowls, had many chances to go other places. And he wrapped his arms around the city of Cleveland, city of Cleveland wrapped their arms around him and his family. And it's the way sports is supposed to be. It really is. And I'm old school. You're old school. We believe probably the same stuff, but it's really the way that athletics and sports is supposed to be. You're supposed to embrace the, the team that takes you, you know, go be a great teammate. That was one of the things that from his speech that he constantly talked about being a great teammate, being a great ambassador for the Browns, you know, in the, in the building, you know, with the, you know, people in the food service, people, you know, the, the tr athletic trainers, the strength coaches, all those people um, had nothing but incredible things to say about Joe Thomas. I love the guy to death. Um, I'm proud as hell that he is a part of sports advantage because to me, it reaffirms that we're doing things the right way um, because someone of his stature who does things the right way has a very high value system. And I'm just really excited to continue on the journey with him. And for those listeners that maybe didn't get to see a lot of the videos, you know, about Wisconsin football, sent out some videos, Pro Football Hall of Fame, Cleveland Browns. I would definitely check those out. I know, get your edge. We were retweeting a lot of those. And just, you know, a quick message that really hit home to all of our listeners that really hit me is, you know, you had three big things. One, be on time. Two, pay attention. Three, work hard. And I think no matter what anyone does, in whatever profession and their daily life, that was great advice from Joe Thomas. And obviously that is what made him so successful and had the 13,363 consecutive snaps. And that's why he is loved by the whole state of Ohio, the city of Cleveland and that whole organization. So and the state of Wisconsin. Give me goosebumps. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, Dean, when you go back and look, I mean, we've had Joe on the podcast twice and he's shared those three things on both podcasts. Correct. That's how he lives his life, you know? And at the end of the day, they're very basic. You know, we talk about controlling the controllables all the time. You can control all, all three of those. You have full control of your effort. You have full control of arriving on time. Um, and you have full control on how dialed in you are, you know, and, and whatnot, things like that. Put your phones away, um, things like that. That was the other cool thing. You know, I took a few pictures here and there, but I, I tried to make a point as much as I could to just take it in. You know what I mean? Be in the moment. You know what I mean? And that, that was that was really cool. But anyways, we got a Q&A here, dog. So let's let's get these fired up here. I know you got things to do. You got the got the makers got a lift here later this afternoon, and we got some other things going on. But this is a great question for you, um, and we handle this as well at Sports Advantage. This is a great question that came through our Coaches Edge platform, our consulting platform, actually from a couple of our coaches. How do you handle underclassmen training in season? And by underclassmen, you know they meant JV athletes and freshman athletes. So Dean, how do you guys go about that? And I can share you know, my personal thoughts, because I can share it actually from a college perspective as well. Well, first of all, all sports, if you're a sport coach, should be lifting in season. Heard it. That, that is number one. You have to lift in season, preferably, you know, two days a week minimum. I know sometimes people go three. We like to say two days a week is perfect with what we do. And we look at those underclassmen as long-term athletic development. So obviously, they don't have a lot of weightlifting experience, training experience, so they can handle a little bit more as far as what they do in season. That doesn't affect, obviously, their performance in the uh, on the field, the court, the diamond, whatever it may be for whatever. So we got to continually train, and you know it's a technique, technique, technique all the time. You're you're coaching every rep, and coaches, if you're not coaching every rep, you're not coaching every set. If you're a guy that's sitting on their phone while kids are lifting, hey, this to me is probably the longest training period you get with some of your athletes, especially if they're multi-sport athletes. So it's a great opportunity, coaches, to be in that weight room with your team. If you have a strength conditioning coach, hey, continue to work with them, but be involved. Don't just get handed over to some other coach on your staff or the strength and conditioning staff or the coach at your school get in there interact with the kids it's a great way to find out to really read the temperature of the room are, are, are the kids feeling good are they kind of getting burnt out because a lot of those clues that they can give you when they're training can help as far as your practice plan for your sport you know things start getting stale hey you might have to throw something in hey you think the guys are starting to overtrain? hey we got to back off in the practice so that is why it's so important for the strength program and the sport coach to be working together because they go hand in hand and there's only so much gas in the gas tank. And you have to be able to get people that you trust that are on your team. Hopefully they're leaders, captains, and they're getting that vibe. And are we doing too much? Is it getting too hard mentally? Do we have to back off a little bit? Do we got to throw a little fun thing in here and there to keep it going? But that, I think, is the bottom line. Because if you're a freshman and a sophomore at the high school setting and you're a varsity coach, the number one thing is you want those kids to come out the next year. Yeah. And if they're not having some fun, and if they're not understanding the why behind everything, then 
I think that's really putting kids in a bad situation and coaches in a bad situation. So having those upperclassmen, obviously, if you got a great culture, hey, they're taking those kids under their wing. This is how we do things. Hey, this is where we got to stay on task. We want you to have fun. But we always say we're training like sharks in season because we cannot take a lot of time in the season because we want to take that time and put it into the practice. So into the sport. So it's so important to understand that we got to be very efficient. Everything's got to flow as a strength and conditioning coach. Hey, these freshmen JV kids, a lot of times are a little more immature than your junior and seniors. So you got to make sure they're dialed in, they're focused, and you can get them in and get them out and get them, most importantly, out on the court and field, the diamond, the track, whatever sport that they are. So the coaches can get the schematics taken care of, hone them in on their skills, come up with their game plan, and really help those kids do the best job at their next game, next whatever, scrimmage, practice, whatever. Yeah, and I think, Dean, you know, another good point with with fresh, especially freshmen, but JV as well, is they're typically playing, you know, on a Monday or a Thursday, you know, and there's not a lot of people watching them play, just typically families. And then, you know, if you're playing at home, typically the varsity kids will come come watch. So there's not big crowds. There's not a lot of people. So finding other ways, you know, during the season to kind of get them going. I, I like your idea of, you know, finding something maybe even that they can compete in once a week, you know, to have some fun and enjoy it. But, you know, uh, you know, Steve Jones said that, you know, to me, when I talked to him, the most, his most important job and the the most important job of the youth coaches, as well as the freshman and JV coaches is to make sure the kids come back out next year, you know, and, and that's, that's really important. And I, I think a lot of times, just because they're in season and this, we see this with a lot of other sports. I know we kind of trickled towards football on this, but you know, the, the first thing that people shy away from is the training aspect, right? I'm in season. I'm this, I'm, I got games. I mean, we're starting to see it with summer, you know, kids playing AAU stuff and they don't want to, you know, at the end of the day, you have to train. You, you just have to train and you have to consistently train. And so once you start, you know, finding a built-in for why you shouldn't train it becomes easier and easier and easier. And, you know, from my perspective, the thing I liked when we were in college, you know, at UW is those guys run what we call the developmental lift program, which I, you know, we do that with our consulting schools as well, you know, for our younger athletes. And, you know, there was, they were kind of like a, on a summer program, you know, three to four days a week, they got more training in um, because from our perspective and really my perspective is, we want kids to learn the value of training in season and we want them to understand the value of training in season. And a lot of times for your kids that aren't playing as much, um, you know, they're looking for other things to do, you know, they're look because they may not be getting a lot of reps in practice either. And so if you can continue to sell them on, Hey, we got to get you to develop. So next year you're the guy playing or you're the girl playing. And a lot of times you know, it comes from the coaches, the 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 buy-in from the coaches and the excitement. Hey, you know, so-and-so used to do this. You know, we'll use a guy like A.J. Klein. You know, you could probably use with some of the freshmen when A.J. was a senior. Hey, A.J. used to do this mobility thing, or he used to do this extra workout. You know, and if maybe if you do this and, and you do this, you'll be playing like him on Friday. And use examples of kids that have had success, and you'll start to get more buy-in with the young kids. 
but allowing them not to train because they have a game or because they have practice, you're just setting yourself up for long-term problems because when they get to be varsity players and it's Friday night and it really counts, you know, they're not going to want to do anything. I mean, they're going to, you know, they're going to start wanting to practice. They got to be fresh, you know, all this other stuff. And so building a high um, work ethic at the younger ages, because then it's just like you say, Dean, like you guys say all the time, this is what we do. This is what we do here. This is how we train. This is how we do things in season. And when you get that, your culture is great. And your young kids will just follow the old kids. Brian, I think one of the biggest mistakes that sport coaches make is that the varsity team will work out in season and do a very good job. But where it slides is the JV and freshman teams. Correct. I like to take that in my, my mindset is that should be flipped. Right. Because you talk about the kids that are going to have the most long-term effect for your program is you want to get those trained as a freshman right away and get that person in a good groove. And a lot of times it's like, well, they're not important right now. I think the freshman group is the most important of right. all of the four levels. And once you get those kids going, boom, then you should be all right. By the time them juniors and seniors are going, sport coaches, if you got a great program, they should be taking over the program. They should be leading the program. You sure. should be just pretty much sitting there. But most of your time as a strength and conditioning coach or a sport coach should be going into those young kids. And right. if you do that right, that is just going to compound. And then by the time they're juniors and seniors, hey, now the best teams are athlete-led teams, not right. coach-led teams or athlete. And I think it's the same thing in a weight room. Yeah, you're going to make sure everything's going good. But if I do my job, it, everything should kind of flow. Everything should flow. You know, I'll just give you an example. Our program right now is every year, once you get that thing rolling, is kids just know what to expect. And, and that's part of the culture. And you don't have to harp on some things when you're trying to build a program. You don't have to harp on that. You're just going to continue to move that situation the program forward and keep progressing and i think that's once you get that thing going if you're a sport coach out there and you've never you know you're taking over a program that never did in season lifting you're gonna have to make sure that's a priority right and you got to tell them why why are we in season lifting kids we're in season lifting because of one for injury prevention or lessen the degree of the injury two for athletic performance and three that we want you, when you get done with our sport, we want you to go into your next sport or into the off season, not being cheated and continually get better. Because as we know, and it's in your sports advantage, you got to be consistent. We talk about it all the time. Consistency, consistency. Well, if you just lift for three months, then you take three months off, lift, that's not going to get you no. long-term gains. No, and, and the other thing too, Dean, is like, you know, those guys, you know, like we already said, they're, they they want to be the next person in line. So a conversation that we love to have with our kids is like, hey, you know, these guys are playing varsity, you know, varsity sport, you know, varsity minutes. They're going to, you know, some of them may be gone, but some of them are coming back and you're going to be competing for maybe a position next year. Listen, you've got three or four months that if, if some of the other, you know, some other players maybe only on a one or two day, you know, a week program and you can get a kid to train three or four days a week 
hey, think of how far ahead you're going to be before you even get to the off season, when now training is the main priority, right? And so, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but you have you you just have to be consistent with it because if you're not at the young ages, they're not going to value it when they're older. It's just not going to happen. Dog, question number two: What are some ways you like to collect data? Well, I could start with that one. Um, you yeah. know, we we have a very high intensive data collection system that we use. You know, obviously with the conjugate method, where we're rotating max effort exercises every week. Um, you know, our systems is, you know, 12 to 16 weeks of rotating exercises. So we chart every max effort exercise. So every week we know exactly where the kid was the last time he or she did it. And, you know, what we're trying to have them beat. And, and you know, we're trying to have them beat it by five or 10 pounds, you know, because in, in four years, they're going to hit that exercise, you know, 16 to 20 times, you know, five to 10 pounds is, is a lot of weight, you know, for them to go up, you know, in that course of time. Um, you know, we chart our jumps, you know, we use the, you know, a, a jump system that's, that's uh, pretty popular. And and if you have questions on, on how to do that, you know, you can message either one of us. Um, you know, we're charting jumps all the time. We chart speed all the time. So, you know, our flying tens, our 10 yard accelerations, uh, we have a lot of different things with that too. So we chart everything um, because it's going to give us a blueprint for maybe areas that we're missing with the kids, you know, so if some exercises are getting better and some are stagnant, we can look at the exercise based on, you know, maybe they're not getting better in their floor presses, you know, different variations. Okay. What are some things maybe we need to have some more tricep work because we know that, that if a kid gets better in his floor press, his bench press is going to get better. You know what I mean? So we also check the one-off exercises as well. Um, but if you're going to, you know, evaluate it, you have to record it. You, you know what I mean? You, you have to manage it. And at the end of the day, I think we go above and beyond, you know, so kids aren't just writing weights down, you know, we're testing the, the performance variables that they're going to need um, to continue to grow as an athlete. And that's why a lot of times we don't have to do combine preps, um, a lot of combine preps or PBR preps or, you know, softball or volleyball testing prep, because we're doing it all the time in our training. They're constantly being evaluated. And so I think, you know, and we use Google Doc, you know, I'll just share that. We we have a Google Doc that the trainers get to share with each other. We evaluate it. We look at different trends within our gyms. Um, and that's how we, you know, that's how we collect our data. What about you guys? Well, Brian, first of all, you know, I just want to say you guys do an incredible job because I got to see what you guys do as far as data. And to be, to be honest, it's one of the things I really struggle with in, in, in my situation because of so many number of athletes. And I, I always look for, is, is there a way of, of being able to chart and, you know, make sure and collect a ton of data and, and not take up a gazillion hours in order to right. do it. That's always been my, my situation. That's been very difficult where sports advantage, anytime you go to a situation like that, and you have a strength and conditioning coach and it's lesser numbers, that person knows their athletes so much better. And, you know, what we're going to, we're going to do the vertical jump. You know, we're going to do the broad jump. We're going to do the 10 meter flight. We're going to record all of that, but we really put a lot of accountability on our athletes to make sure they're charting their numbers and that they know it during a specific phase. 
Right. And really, when they go to a vertical jump mat, they should know what their PR is right away. And they're constantly trying to break that. You know, most of them are pretty good on the bench press, as we know. Everybody wants to know what they bench press. They can give that number. But they should really know. But as far as getting that data down, I think it's so important because really what, what you do the most of, that's what you're going to get better at. You know, some people say, well, I want my bench to go up. Well, then you got to bench more. You want your squat to go up. You got to squat more. You want to be a faster, you got to sprint more. You want to jump higher, you got to jump. You know, you got to jump more. So what you emphasize is going to make a big difference. But data collection, I think, is huge. It's amazing. We'll do a lot of times I'll, I'll bring a kid and say, well, look what you did last year at this time. And they'll be like, oh, my God, I grew two inches. I put on 25 pounds. I'm faster. I, my squat's up 130 pounds. My bench is up 70 pounds. And it's a great motivator to understand. And the athletes can see what their progress is. Because every day it gets to a point when you're watering it and you're consistent is you just don't see a lot of changes right away. But if you look back, okay, this is what you did three months ago. This is what you did six months ago. This is what you did last year. And it's really neat because we have a profile in every kid. And look what you did as a freshman and now look what you're doing as a senior. Right. And you talk about a great example of watering it, staying consistent. And numbers don't lie. You know, success leaves right. clues. So you say this kid was there for six weeks and then you didn't see him for three weeks. And then he comes back. So those people that aren't consistent, they're not getting the results that the people that are consistent and taking care of their bodies. So data collection is a must. How you do it, each coach can do it a little specific way. You guys do an incredible job with it. I think you got to bring it up. You got to set goals with kids. Where do you want to be? And then continually challenge them. Well, and one of the cool things, Dean, is, you know, our Coach's Edge consulting platform Every month we do an educational video, um, teaching video for our coaches. And this month is going to be, Robert's going to share how we do data collection. Um, and that's just for our coaches that are in that platform. And I tell you what, um, it's, a, it's a basic system, but it's highly in-depth on what we look at, how we chart things uh, and things like that. And it really, you know, it, it's right there in front of you. And, you know, you can see improvements. And like you said, you can also see the kids that maybe haven't been as consistent. And then you can share that with them. Um, you know, data collection is a must. And however you do it, um, you got to have a system in place. It's got to be consistent, you know. So you, you, you can't compare a back squat to a box squat and be like, well, you know, six months ago, he box squatted this. Now his back squat is this. He's gone up. No, you have to compare movement to movement as you go through, but then also look at your trends. Um, so if you really want to be great, you got to collect that data. You got to keep it stored and you got to, yeah, go ahead, Dean. Hey, one quick thing with the conjugate method, what's so nice is yeah. really, you know, you're not sitting there. I, I, when I was a young string coach, you know, we would do a nine week phase and then we'd max out. And then, you know, the kids would max out. And if that kid was sick two days before max outs, they weren't exactly too jacked up about their progress. Cause they were like, well, Right before I got sick, I was doing this amount of weight and so on. What I love about the conjugate is you're always getting that maximal effort every week. Right. It's just changing up. So kids aren't begging to max out. They're not begging to do this. And they know what their numbers are pretty much all the time, whereabout they are. 
So that's really what's nice about it because let's be honest, high school kids are going to max out whether you're doing it in your high school weight room, college weight room, or if they're doing it at the local YMCA or Experience Fitness or Planet Fitness or any other places, they're going to do it. Could right. be in their home. So why not do it where it's supervised? They know how to do it the proper technique and they know what their numbers are getting because bottom line is that's what they're striving for. And it's a good motivator. Max out record boards. Let's let's be honest. It's a great motivator, but we got to remember we can't take it too far either. Yeah, you, you can't be spending so much time doing all of this data, and then you, you're taking it out of the getting the workout in. And conjugate, you're getting it right in within the workout. Right, you don't have to test. You're not taking a whole training day or two training days or a week yeah. or a week like I what I would do in the past. To get all the numbers, instead, you do the conjugate system, you're getting your workout in, and you're getting the numbers. And right. I think that's a huge advantage because you don't lose that week of training or those couple of days or depending on how much you want to collect as far as your, you know, your testing goes. 100%. Last question we got. Can you guys share your thoughts on hiring, training, and evaluating your staff to ensure continued success? Well, it's a great one for you, Brian, huh? Yeah, thanks. Um, yes. No, I think for me, you know, first and foremost, hiring. It's always more important to me when I hire someone is what their values are as a person and why they want to be a coach. Quite honestly, um, if I can't teach you our systems, then then I'm I'm a pretty pretty poor business owner. Um, if we can't teach you how we do our our, our systems, um, then then we're not doing our job. Hiring someone, they shouldn't have the answers when you hire them, right? You, you're bringing them on board. Hopefully, at, at you know when you bring them on board, the other thing we look at is what kind of value do you add to what we do? You you know, um, can they add value? Are they teachable? And are they a great person? That that's really it. You know, if, if you have a sense that someone can't, isn't teachable, so if they sit, you know, in the interview and this is how I do things and this is how I do this and I do this. Okay, at some point, you know, there has to be a way of, of being like, how do you fit in with our systems? You know, and everybody has different systems. And so only really you guys, you know, out there listening can answer that. But when you're hiring someone, you know, especially in a school setting or in a private gym setting uh, as, a, as a trainer, they have to care about people and they have to care about wanting others to have success before their own. And I'm just going to give all you young, you know, aspiring strength coaches a tip when you sit in an interview. Do not say the reason why I want to be a strength coach is because I want to train pro athletes. That, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a red flag for me because to me, you're chasing the jersey. You know what I mean? You're chasing the jersey. I've had numerous people sit in my office and say, I want to train pro athletes like you. Guess what? It's taken me 20 some years to build the credibility, build the relationships with the Alec Ingalls, the Alex Erickson's, the Joe Thomas's, the Travis Fredericks, the Rob Havenstein. Uh, I can go on and on and on because at the end of the day, most of you aren't willing to do that. And most of those guys have already found people that they're, that they're built in with. If you really want to be a coach, 
And I've been, I was asked this on the Westside Barbell podcast back in February. What is the most important age level to coach? It's the middle school kids. You should want to coach those kids because you're taking them at ground zero and you're being able to teach them the right way to do things and how to be a good person. So when I'm hiring someone, that's what I'm looking for. As far as training someone, you know, we have systems in place for how we train our staff, our interns. You know, we have a strict curriculum for our interns. You know, Robert heads that up. Um, everything is based on different books they need to read. Yes, we make our, our interns read books. I mean, they have to be smart, you know, and they have to learn. Uh, they meet with him on a weekly basis. They have different assignments they have to get done. So it's like taking a graduate level class. Um, our assistants, you know, how we then graduate them through, um, you know, they meet with me on their next step is becoming a director, you know, how they can run a gym. Because just because you can write a program doesn't mean you can run a gym. Okay. If you can't write a program, um, I can probably teach you that easier than how to run a gym. Running the gym and being a director and a leader is way harder than writing programs. Everybody thinks, well, I just want to write programs. I want to write programs. No, writing programs, you know, you have to learn the basic intricacies of how to relate with people, how to talk to people, you know, how to be a leader, how to be a good teammate, things like that. And then evaluating, you know, for me, you can't be a director until you can explain the conjugate system in two minutes to me. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get a parent, like in our setting, in the private setting, you're going to get a parent, you're going to take them through an eval, and you have to explain our systems within probably two minutes or less. So you have to have a firm foundation of it. Um, and then, you know, one of the other things I use as an evaluation marker is what kind of messages am I getting from parents? You know, and to a point, you know, we have five gyms. I get messages weekly on my directors, positive, what they're doing, you know, are they being adaptive, which is one of our core values? Are they going above and beyond, which is one of our core values? Um, and that's how I know, you know, where they're at in that process. What about you, Dean? And, the, and that was a pretty elaborate answer, but I wanted to hit all three of them. Um, but at the end of the day, like hiring a person, they got to be a good person. They got to care about other people first. If they don't do that, if they're more interested in chasing jerseys and, you know, high profile athletes, they're, they're probably, you know, probably not going to get hired by us, you know. Well, Brian, those are, I mean, those are awesome, awesome uh, words of advice there for anybody that wants to get into the strength conditioning field or really basically will just want to get hired to do anything. That's what you look for a person that obviously is going to, you know, be on time, like Joel said. Yeah. That, 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 you know, you're going to be there. You're going to be paying attention. You're going to be getting better. You got to be a guy that works hard. I just, I love that with Joe Thomas, because like you said, we can teach program. You can teach the X's and O's of strength and conditioning. You can do all that, but you know, can the person take initiative? Do they have the growth mindset? Do they have a passion to help people become the best version of themselves? If they do, then everything else can work. That is, you have to have an open mind. If you're a person that comes in and thinks, hey, I'm only going to do it this way because that's the way I've done it, or I don't care about, you know, the, the bad athletes, I only care about the good athletes, or I only want to work out with the older athletes and not the younger, then this isn't for you. you got to make sure that the people have great personal skills. And I always say they're kid magnets. They're people magnets that... 
when you get near those people, they elevate right off the bat. You know, they say if, if you're sitting in a room with somebody that's a go-getter, that's positive, that's energetic, you are going to raise your performance up 15% of where you are. I also saw if you're sitting next to a person that's a downer, that doesn't care, that that's negative, then you are going to decrease your performance by over 30%. So that is crucial. Is is a person have a great growth mindset? Are they willing to learn? Are they in it for the reason? They're not in it to work with pro athletes. They're not in it for the pay. They're not in it because you know they were an athlete or they like to lift weights or they love to play a sport. So now they want to coach. They have to be in it for the reason. The main reason is to get kids better to help them not only physically, that's easy. They're going to physically get better, but you got to make sure that you're molding them into the best person that they can be, Brian. Well, Dean too, and I got two other tricks, you know, that I, I look at, you know, we talk about growth mindset, you know, for my, my interns and our assistants, two things that give me a, a great picture of what kind of growth mindset they have. One, all right. They will ask me at random times, what do I need to do to get better? What do you see? You know, what do you see from me? Where, where are some, and I got this from one of my assistants the other day. He goes, where are my holes? Where are the holes in my game? I want, I want to run our next facility. Where are the holes in my game? I've got four months to get ready for that. And I haven't even told him he's running it yet. He is, but I haven't even told him it. But the fact that he asked me that question means he's got the wherewithal to think ahead. And the second one is this. I simply say, what book are you reading? What are you reading right now? Because if you got a growth mindset, you, you got something either that you just finished or that you're looking at doing or that you're deep in. And it could be something you've already read. Like I'm reading the book of methods again right now. You know what I mean? I read that probably once a year. I touch up on it. You know, I pick up a couple things. You know, I read Tim Grover's book, Relentless, once a year. Um you know, just, just for me personally. And then I pick some other ones that, you know, I'll, I'll get into, but you know, if someone has the wherewithal to know and, and, and not have the ego, you know what I mean? To think I have all the answers. It's like, where, you know, where can I get better? If they're asking you that, that's a person that, that you want in your organization, you know? And then if they're constantly reading and feeding themselves with, with knowledge and information, you know, that's another person. So if you're not reading, um, you need to start. Um, I think that's really important. So, Dean, three really good questions here today. I know you got to get 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 rolling here. We got to get kids stronger. So, anything else you got, real quick? No, Fox Valley Throws will be starting yeah. out September 10th. So, we're, those people that listen to the podcast that are throwers, which I know we have some, that we will be starting our fall session September 10th. I believe that's a Sunday. We'll go every Sunday all the way through October. So there'll be eight sessions. So looking forward to working with those kids. We've had a little bit of time off now for those kids to hone in on their, their skills and get out there and practice on their own. And then when they come back, see if they made some improvements. That's what it's all about. Second thing, Coach Bott, I would like to congratulate our second guest we ever had. He was our first coach, Steve Jones, who just got a, a job with the Green Bay Packers as a consultant helping them so I was watching the family night got a little glimpse of coach Jones and his family on the field afterwards when the fireworks were going off etc so super happy for him he's been 
huge impact on, on my coaching and, and, and my teaching and, and my development as a teacher and as a coach. It was just phenomenal to be able to work under him. We had so many great times and lots of success. And we've always pushed each other and talk about what books we're reading and what seminars and what we're going to do to constantly get better. So congratulations, Steve. And I know, Brian, you're big friends with Steve as well. Man, that's so awesome. And and great job by the Packers, bringing in a yes. quality individual um, to do that. You know, um, I think that's I think that's just just awesome. I mean, Steve is a quality individual. Uh, everything that that he seems to do is for other people, you know, and, and really try and help other people and understand that. So that's fantastic. Um, to all of our coaches out there, if you haven't checked out our Coaches Edge website, check that out. It's the Coaches Edge. Uh, check it out. we got an incredible amount of information there. If you're interested in consulting, uh, we've already got, I think, 13 schools, you know, in our first year. Um, and huge impacts over the summer. Um, the the reviews and, and stuff that we've gotten back from our coaches has been um, way, way higher than, than we could have ever imagined. So we appreciate all our schools that are involved in that. Um, and then for all you athletes out there, you know, have a great fall. Get after it. Coaches, push your athletes, but love them up a little bit. Enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. You only get one time through this, this high school and, and, and whatnot. So enjoy the ride. We'll see you next time. Chop it.